Listener Production. Hello, Tom Tilly with you for another one of my favourite interviews from this year on The Briefing. This one was about the mind-bending story of Jane Rowe. This is my deathbed confession. <laughs> so Jane Rowe is the Roe in Roe versus Wade, which was a hugely important American Supreme Court abortion case, which was overturned in June this year. This was one of the biggest stories in America of 2022. So the original court ruling was in 1973, and it all hinged on this woman, Jane Rowe, whose real name was Norma McCorvey. She was a young woman who tried to get an abortion, but couldn't. Now, her case paved the way for abortion to be legalised around America, but then later on in life, she became a Christian and an anti-abortion activist, until on her deathbed, she flipped back the other way and said something that shocked everyone, especially the Australian journalist who was interviewing her for a documentary. She just started confessing to these huge, historically significant things that I had no idea were coming. I was absolutely gobsmacked. My jaw dropped. So in this summer episode of The Briefing, we revisit the story of Norma McCorvey, a.k.a. Jane Rowe. First, here is a quick rundown of what is making news today from the Listener Newsroom. It is Tuesday, the 27th of December. Good morning, I'm Lauren Howarth with your news briefing. A heatwave warning has been issued for five states, leaving millions of Aussies tossing and turning overnight. Sweltering conditions are being felt from WA all the way to Tasmania, with Adelaide set to be the hottest capital today. Dean Narramore from the Bureau of Meteorology telling Seven, Victoria is forecast to experience one of its hottest days of the year, with the temp to sort of 40 degrees in some parts. Temperatures uh, today and particularly tomorrow, anywhere from 8 to 16 degrees above average. Anyone heading to a beach or pool to escape the heat today is being urged to stay safe. Three people have drowned, including two teenagers, at Victorian beaches in the past 48 hours. While sadly there's been a deadly plane crash in Sydney's southwest, emergency crews have pulled two bodies from the wreckage after the crash sparked a large scrub fire yesterday afternoon. Police are now working with the Australian Transport Safety Bureau in their investigation. As many Aussies struggle with the cost of living, a new report's found property prices here could be around 50% above what an average family can afford. The International Monetary Fund has released the findings, warning the housing market may be headed for a major crash. And millions of Aussies are taking advantage of the Boxing Day sales, which are set to last until mid-next month. Economists predict this will be the last shopping frenzy for a while due to those cost-of-living pressures. The crew of Andrew Comanche has held their lead in the Sydney to Hobart overnight, sailing at a steady 19 knots off Victoria's east coast. And the Aussies are on top heading into day two of the Boxing Day test. After bowling South Africa out for 189, we resume on one for 45 with Dave Warner unbeaten on 32. Five-wicket hero Cameron Green says the decision to bowl first certainly paid off. Obviously, the guys bowled beautifully at the start. Um, I think to just get that five wickets um, with that new ball um, was so crucial to um, to kind of finish off their innings. Um, you can kind of see how good the wicket was um, with the little innings they had in the middle there. So, yeah, it's good signs for us. All right, now to the incredible backstory behind the abortion case that divided America again this year. The Roe versus Wade Supreme Court ruling of 1973 was overturned in June 
and it paved the way for 13 individual American states to completely ban or severely restrict legal abortion. So what would Jane Roe think of this? And who was she? Well, her name was Norma McCorvey, and she gave a shocking deathbed confession in 2016, not long before she died in early 2017. And she gave that final interview to an Australian documentary maker called Nick Sweeney, and the doco was called AKA Jane Roe. Nick, thanks so much for joining us. Norma McCorvey was pregnant with her third child in 1969. She said she'd been raped and tried to get an abortion but couldn't because they were illegal in Texas. How did she then become the famous Jane Roe from Roe vs. Wade? She ended up coming across two lawyers who were actually hoping to challenge the abortion ban. What those lawyers needed was a plaintiff who fit a very specific description. They had to be young, female, pregnant, white, for the purposes of um, what they considered to be the ideal plaintiff at the time, and also somebody who couldn't travel or couldn't afford to travel across state borders to get an abortion. They needed somebody poor, and Norma really fit that bill. What's really interesting is that Norma ended up probably being not quite the poster girl that they had in mind for abortion, but she was also the only person that they could use. She was the plaintiff that fit the bill. Okay, so the case happens, it takes a few years, it's 1973 when that famous Supreme Court decision is handed down. When did she eventually step out from behind the pseudonym of Jane Roe and enter the public debate as Norma McCorvey? Norma had remained anonymous or largely anonymous throughout the case. The lawyers had given her that option because they were concerned that she would end up getting harassed or heckled because she was the the woman behind abortion. So she remained anonymous until the 80s and then began to make more and more public appearances. And immediately she presented what some might call a challenge to the abortion rights movement. Norma was unpredictable and she was for lack of a better word, messy. She would go off script. And one of the earliest appearances that she made publicly as Jane Roe, she admitted that she had not been raped. And many people who were seeking to challenge or or undermine abortion rights, they saw that as evidence that this whole case was decided on a lie, which was not actually the case. So she becomes a voice in the pro-abortion movement, but a quite unreliable one, and she's not really necessarily accepted as the right kind of person to put forward for this movement. And then there's a huge twist in the mid-90s where she becomes a Christian. I've modified my uh, religious path. I've changed my position on choice. I'm sorry for being so, so terribly, terribly dumb and so, so naive. I thought... I was doing something right. I didn't realize that I would be leading innocent children to a senseless and terrible death. She becomes a Christian, she changes her views, and she even goes so far as to voice an ad and become a spokesperson for overturning Roe versus Wade. Hello, I'm Norma McCorvey. Today, as a born-again Christian and a faithful Catholic, I'm working to reverse Roe. Your vote could determine who the next Supreme Court justice will be, the one justice who can either vote to continue Roe as the law of the land or vote to overturn that decision. So, Nick, this was a huge turnaround. How did this whole conversion happen? 
In the mid-90s, Norma made a 180-degree pivot that nobody saw coming. It was so extreme and so shocking that it was national news. I mean, it was all over the papers. It was on the front page. It was episodes of the evening news programs were devoted to this dramatic pivot. Norma McCorvey, Jane Rowe, had become baptized in a suburban backyard Texas swimming pool. We forgive you in Jesus' name. She'd found God and she was now campaigning against abortion. The reason why I think this was seen as such a win for the anti-abortion movement was the idea that if Jane Roe herself feels this way about abortion, then abortion must be wrong. Mm. She was very involved in the anti-abortion movement for a number of years. And then there's another big twist in her story, which is when she finally sits down for an interview with you, where she makes this confession. This is my deathbed confession. (laughs) I was the big fish. You know, I took their money and they put me out in front of the cameras and told me what to say. This is just absolutely huge that she finally said this, Nick, um, right before she died a year later in 2017. How did this whole thing come about? Why did you pursue her? Why did you think you should make a documentary about her? And did you expect her to say that? It was really interesting. The The reason why I was initially drawn to the story of Norma McCorvey back in 2016, back when everybody thought that Hillary was going to win the election and that Roe versus Wade was settled law. The reason why I was drawn to it was because I'm gay myself. And what I thought was really interesting that here was this person who lived as an out and proud lesbian for decades, who suddenly declared that she was straight. And I just thought, what a strange thing to have happened. I wonder if there's more to that story than what's out there. And so I made contact with her. And the first time I spoke to her, she actually hung up on me and told me to f*** off. And then a few days later, she sent me a text and that text said, what congregation do you worship at? And I was honest with her. I said, I I don't go to a congregation. I live in New York with my male partner. And and she pretty quickly said, okay, let's meet up. So I went down to Texas and we hung out a lot before we even started filming. She would want to go for a walk around the park or, you know, sometimes defeat the ducks. And what became very clear firstly, was that she was still a lesbian. She would wolf whistle at attractive women as they walked past, but also that she had something to say about her anti-abortion activism. What that was, I really had no idea what was coming. I very clearly remember the day that she made her, what she called her deathbed confession. We were sitting there and she often liked to color. She would do these adult coloring books and I was filming her doing that. And then she just said, this is my deathbed confession. And I kind of froze and leant in. And then she just started confessing to these huge, you know, historically significant things that I had no idea were coming. I was absolutely gobsmacked. My jaw dropped. And, you know, I was doing my best to kind of just not, you know, explode in my head because of the casual way that she was talking about these huge seismic things. And then I asked her, It was an act? And she said, yeah, and I did it well too. I'm a good actress. I am a good actress. Of course, I'm not acting now. I was just so shocked at the kind of, the way that she was talking about these things. And I think what was really important to me in that moment was to corroborate these claims that she was making. (laughs) 
She'd told a number of lies in her life. Did you believe her at that moment? You know, I did believe her because in addition to the things that Norma was saying about, you know, it was an act and I took their money and they tell me what to say, she did give a number of very uh, passionate statements in support of abortion. She said Roe versus Wade helped save women's lives. And if a young woman wants to have an abortion, fine, it's no skin off my ass. That's why they call it a choice. She was somebody who believed that women should have more choices, not, not less. And I think that as shocked as I was in that moment, it did actually make sense in the months leading up to and the months afterwards. She made countless other statements in support of abortion, so I did believe her. But I think what really was important was to corroborate what mm. she was saying with the architects of her anti-abortion flip. Yeah, um, and I'd actually like to play that moment from the film where you actually speak to Reverend Rob Schenk, who who was, as you say, an architect of the campaign to bring her on as a spokesperson. Here's what you got him to say is incredible. What we did with Norma was highly unethical. Norma was a target. She was less defended. We saw that her greatest weaknesses could be exploited. Norma was coached in what to say. Nick, that was incredible to hear him admit the way they used her. When we played what Norma had confessed to, to, to Rob Shank, who was a key figure in getting her over to the anti-abortion side, he said, the jig is up. Those were his words. And the things that he was saying were just so startling to me. Rob said what we did with Norma was highly unethical. Mm. Norma would be coached and there were so many people cutting checks to her on the anti-abortion side that it was impossible to even know how much. He'd worried that if they stopped paying her, then she'd switch back again. His exact words were, one minute you're selling Nissan and the next minute you're selling Chevys. I mean, the way that people like Norma and Rob spoke about all of this was so transactional and so frank and so shocking. And so, Nick, you eventually found evidence of around about half a million dollars of financial benefits that Norma received, which is just mind-blowing. I want to turn to the events of the last week with Roe versus Wade being overturned. Norma died in 2017, so we can't get her reaction. How do you think she'd be feeling about what's just happened? Well, I'll tell you what, Norma Norma is not around, but Norma's daughter actually was on the news the other day over here. And what she said was that Norma would be devastated that Roe had been overturned. What Norma's daughter said was that Norma would be devastated that her grandkids wouldn't have the same rights that she fought for just under 50 years ago. And I, I think, you know, Norma's daughter knew her better than anybody. Based on my experience with Norma, I think Norma would be stunned and shocked at the, the turn of events of the last few days. As shocking as the events of the last few days are with Roe being overturned, I think they're kind of also an appropriate ending to her very messy and unpredictable mm-hmm. life story. So if you hadn't made this doco, if you hadn't sat down and unearthed her new point of view that, in fact, she she had supported the decision all along and had only fought against abortion because of the money she was given by the Christians, would she have gone to her deathbed without the public knowing where she really stood? It's an interesting question. I don't know. I mean, I think that when I first got down and started filming with Norma, what I didn't realise, but what she did realise, was that she didn't have that long left. I thought she was a feisty older lady who still had a lot of life left in her, but I think she knew that 
that she was going to die soon and that if she didn't tell her her own story in her own words, then somebody else would attempt to. And that's what this film was about, letting her tell her story in all of its colourful glory, letting her, you know, be herself and go off script and swear and tell dirty jokes and all of those types of things to really show who she really was. So I don't know if she would have had a chance to tell her story if I hadn't been in the right place at the right time. It's it's difficult to know. And maybe part of Norma's legacy is that... Um, that everything's not black and white. And I know that she really, really found herself like fighting against people's expectations of what she should be on both the abortion rights and anti-abortion movements. And um, I think there's a real tendency to reduce somebody to a kind of trophy, which I think she felt her whole mm. life. But in the end, she really just wanted to be Norma. She wanted to be herself. And, you know, she was willing to go off script um, and say what she wanted, regardless of the consequences. That was Australian documentary maker Nick Sweeney talking about his film, a.k.a. Jane Roe. And there are still legal fights going on in several American states regarding the overturning of Roe versus Wade in the Supreme Court. As I said, one of the biggest stories in America last year. It'll be really interesting to see in the coming year if there are any more big decisions overturned in the US Supreme Court. Listener.